0: i think that we could all admit that it would take a person or people with a laser focus and a deep faith conviction to do what the denny have done and yet i believe that when the body of christ when believers in christ come under this idea that we are sufficient in christ and we know that he gives us our importance and he gives us our marching orders in life then all of a sudden God begins to take ordinary people and he does extraordinary things through those individuals. And it's not just people that make it onto a YouTube video or on the screen, it becomes a reality within our body. I think of individuals like the Chandlers who have a ministry of foster care. I think of the Baldrige's who have decided that they want to pour their lives into our students. I think of the Beziks who, week after week, are going to Pregnancy Center and Solutions and, and to Whitewood Village, and they're proclaiming the gospel to people that are overlooked and often forgotten. I think of the Bruckners who are pouring into college students and they're also using their workplace as a means to really reach out. And I could go right down the directory. That was just the B's and C's. There are a few people in the B's and C's. I could just keep on going and I and 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 realize that there are so many people within the body of Christ that are getting it. They're understanding that Christ WANTS TO DO SOMETHING AMAZING THROUGH EACH AND EVERY ONE OF US, EXTRAORDINARY, THINGS THAT WILL LAST FOR ETERNITY. THE CHALLENGE FOR US TODAY IS TO to EVALUATE OUR FOCUS IN LIFE. UNFORTUNATELY, IN THE BODY OF CHRIST, WE'RE NOT BATTING A THOUSAND. WE'RE NOT BATTING A THOUSAND, THERE'S MANY PEOPLE THAT HAVE TO COME TO THIS UNDERSTANDING OF WHO WE ARE IN CHRIST AND WHY WE ARE HERE AND WHAT OUR PURPOSE IS IN THIS LIFE. I LOVE THE FACT THAT WE'RE APPROACHING Colossians 3 TODAY. WE'RE ONLY GOING TO BE LOOKING AT FOUR VERSES, BUT THESE FOUR VERSES ARE SO PROFOUND. Now, here's where we've come from. In the first two chapters of Colossians, we've dealt with the theological aspect of Christ being sufficient. We've looked at him being sufficient as the creator of the universe. We've looked at him as sufficient as the head of the church. We've looked at him as sufficient in giving the knowledge that we need as the church that we can be rooted and established and we can grow up in him. But now in chapters 3 and 4, he takes sufficiency on a practical level. We go from the theological level to the practical level. And in these first four verses, what Paul is going to do is he's going to lay a foundation to us applying the sufficiency of Christ to our everyday life. And the very, very first verses here, the four verses we're going to look at, he's dealing with our focus he's dealing with our focus which is foundational and he's gonna look we're gonna look at the focus and on the values of christ we're gonna look at how we are to identify with christ how our hearts are to be set on christ and on heaven how our minds are, be on, are to be on the eternal, and how we are to wrap our life up in Jesus Christ. That's what he's gonna deal with in the foundation. And next week, we'll build on that where he'll talk about how we are to take off the old self, the sins of the past, and we are to put on the new virtues of Christ. And then the following week after that, we start in relationships, how that affects us in family, how that affects us in our work relationships. See, everything that we're talking about today is foundational to what we'll cover in the next few weeks. So here's my question for each and every one of us today, how's your focus? What are you focused on in this life? See I think this is a very valid question because we live in a messed up world where it is very, very difficult and we have complicated situations. Some of us have complicated work situations, situations that there's constant tension, there's constant pressures upon us. Some of us are living within uh, difficult financial situations, maybe things that we've brought on ourselves. Some of us live in sticky family issues that we're working through right now. Some of us have conflicts from one believer to another. Some of us are having difficulty in showing love and respect within the boundaries of marriage. And maybe there are other things such as anger and resentment and and maybe even sexual transgressions that have taken place. There's all kinds of issues that complicate life and muddy the waters. And the reality is there are some people that are here that you've walked through the doors and quite frankly, you're living in a cloud. You're living in a mist and it doesn't seem very clear as to what, you, what God wants for you because you're caught up in all of these things. I hope that today would be a day for focus. It would be a day to realign yourself with what God's word has to say because it is so incredibly practical. And as we understand more of the sufficiency of Christ, as we understand how that should be in my life on a very personal level, it will redefine who we are as an individual. And that's my prayer. My prayer is that you would see yourself in light of Christ. Let's pray that God would do that today. Lord, would you take your word? Would you allow your word to to reach into the deepest recesses of our hearts Help us to see who we are. Help us to get a focus in this life. Some of us need that so badly because of the sticky situation that we find ourselves in. And so, Lord, I pray that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on Christ. We pray that in Christ's name, amen. Four focal points that we're going to get from uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. If you'll look in your Bible, or turn to your Bible apps, we'll take a look at the very first one. And he starts off in Colossians 3, verse 1, by helping us focus our identity with Christ. It says this, If then you have been raised with Christ. Now I want you to think about that. What's he saying here? If then you have been raised with Christ. Now, our English translation doesn't capture all the nuances of the uh, uh, all the nuances that are in the original language. For example, the English word, if, usually to you and I, it raises a question. If you're good, you'll get this. Or if you really listen to Steve's message, then you'll get something out of it. Now, that's a good if. I hope the second one is true, that you'll listen. But that's not what Paul's talking about by using that word. Actually, it's a statement of fact. Paul's saying, if it is a fact that, and it is, That you have been raised up with Christ now what is he trying to do he wants us to see that there is a fact if you are a believer in Jesus Christ if you have come to the place of yielding yourself completely to him you have been raised up with Christ you're no longer dead you are now alive YOU SEE WHAT JESUS IS DOING, WHAT PAUL IS DOING IS HE'S RELATING US TO THE PHYSICAL RESURRECTION OF CHRIST. JESUS WENT INTO THE GRAVE AND HE ROSE FROM THE GRAVE. AND SPIRITUALLY HE IS SAYING THAT WE GO INTO THE GRAVE WHEN WE DIE TO ourselves, AND WE'RE RAISED TO A NEWNESS OF LIFE. AND SOMEDAY, GUESS WHAT, THERE WILL BE A PHYSICAL RESURRECTION THAT WE WILL GET TO ENJOY. Now, Paul in Galatians chapter 2 gives a a, a good description of the metamorphosis that took place. He says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me in the book of romans paul says that we have been raised to a newness of life to walk in a pattern of a new life and that sin no longer has hold on me because we have been freed from sin now my friends what paul is doing really in this vital focal point is helping us understand who we are in christ When he says that we died he's saying that there was an old way and the reality is there's an old way and a new way And the sad reality is that there are some believers that are still living in the old way. Let me explain The old way is who we were and the new blessings are found in who we are now It's not in who we were If you're a newer believer, maybe you don't know this, or maybe you're an uninformed believer like I was at one point in my life. But here's what I want you to realize, that when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you hit the spiritual jackpot. You hit the spiritual jackpot because we're told in Ephesians 1 that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing from Christ that's in heaven. The storehouse of heaven has been poured out on us. And it's better than an exotic vacation or a new car or a new camper that you would get on The prices Right. No, under God's door, divine door, it's a new life. And he's giving us a new identity in him. You see, under the old program, we had things happen to us that marred our identity. Let me illustrate this when i was in second grade i was held back from second grade now some of you would say well that's no that's not really a big deal well it was to a second grader it was to a second grader to the second that second grader steve marshall he felt like a failure And you see the enemy long before I even knew Christ attached a value to me saying that you are a failure and he wanted me to stay in that. And even when I became an adult and a believer I still was uninformed about who I was in Christ and I felt like a failure all the way through my mid-20s. Under this old program I felt like a failure. Therefore I acted like a failure and because I felt like a failure and I acted like a failure I believed I was a failure and because I felt like a failure and I acted like a failure and believed I was a failure in my mind. It was a fact I Was a failure now That's my story That's how I felt, and that's what the enemy wanted me to do. My whole identity was wrapped up in that, and as a result, I was looking at people and saying, am I going to fail in front of them or not fail in front of them? That's why when I was in my early 20s, I was shy and introverted. Some of you are saying, that's not possible. It is possible, because that's the way it was, and you can ask my wife. Now, there's many of us, That are living our lives as believers that we're driven by our feelings which are attached to a lie that the enemy has given us that lie may be different for each and every one of us for one person it is I'm a failure for another person it's I don't feel loved I'm unacceptable I'm unworthy I'm inadequate I'm fearful I'm anxious I'm weak I'm not smart I'm unwanted I'm guilty I'm depressed. I'll never measure up. I'm condemned. I'm alone. My friends, was it a parent that told you that you would never measure up? Were you a victim of abuse? Did a neighbor, neighbor kid take advantage of you? Were you bullied? Did you forget your lines in a, play, in a play and were terribly embarrassed, and therefore you'll never speak in front of people again? Were you told that you were no good? See, if I ask, in asking those questions, if somewhere within the recesses of your heart, there is a prick of deep pain, it may be that you don't know who you are. And what God wants is for you to know who you are. Hopefully, it, when everybody came in, you received a little handout. There was a handout associated with the bulletin. I want you to put that somewhere. Because on it, it shows the old, the old program when we were dead, And these are the things that the enemy wanted you to believe. But please understand there's a new program. And that new program is that we are different in Christ. And we are no longer bound to the lies and the sins of the past. We're no longer bound because we are in Christ. Here's my question. Is your focus on your identity in Jesus?
1: Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? an accountant, a teacher, a mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student, an MVP, a winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint, a sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says, I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me his masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says, I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I?
0: The very first thing that Paul wants us to realize as we're talking about the sufficiency of Christ applied to our life is that we understand that we have a focus on who we are. The second thing he focuses in is in the second part of verse, or verse one, where he wants us to focus our hearts on heaven. Look what he says. He says, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, now that we know what our true identity is, it makes sense for us to have our focus on heaven. Now heaven here represents a value system and it's a value system that will be contrasted in verse two with a world system. Now the word seek here means to strive earnestly with your heart. Our hearts as believers should be dominated by the values of heaven. Why? Because that's where our ascended Lord, our glorious Lord, our victorious Lord, our King of Kings sits and rolls and intercedes for us. We get our marching orders from him. And so this is where our values should come from. Now, once again, this is so practical because tied into the values of Jesus are all the blessings that he wants to give us as a result of us living out his values in this life. So I could hear someone say, well, Steve, what are those values? Tell me what they are. I want the blessings, man. Well, I wish I could just give it to you. Part of why we're here is to understand God's values. But I can't just give you a bumper sticker slogan and say, here's the values. Go do it. No, God says you, a Christ follower. Follow me, learn from me, get from my word and understand what I have to say. And I know that I would be overwhelmed for God to throw all of his values on me at once. And so what I do, I soak it in. And this is the reason I read God's word. I need this thing transformed. Romans 12 two says that it's gonna be through this that he transforms my thinking. He transforms my view of life and that's what he wants for us listen to what proverbs says proverbs encourages us to look for the value of god in his word he says this and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure then you will understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god shoot while we are sitting here today we're learning the value of god when we opened god's word every time we do that we learn something and if you're struggling with having time with god let me encourage you to do something i encourage you to take the book of matthew or the book of proverbs and take one chapter a day And keep a notebook, and every time you sense a value, something that God is saying, this is what I value, I want it to be your value, write down what that is and see what happens as a result of it. So just as an illustration, we're going to go ahead and have a little quiet time together. So we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 5, and this is the Beatitudes, and I want you to think what is a value that is there so liz young is going to read out of the uh, message version matthew 5 3 to 16 this is the uh, beatitudes go ahead liz
2: you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope with less of you there is more of god and his rule you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you only then can you be embraced by the one who is most dear to you you're blessed when you're content with just who you are no more no less That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens, give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do and all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasonings that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage.
0: What we see here is all kinds of values. Now, one of the values that I gathered from that is that what God wants is for us to be dependent on him. And when we're dependent on him, we'll end up being an influence for him. That seemed to be a value that stuck out loud and clear. Now, how does that translate? How do blessings come as a result of it? Well, at work, I determined that I'm going to work not to please my boss necessarily. I want to please my God first. Certainly the boss is there, but I want to please God. There's my dependency. So as a result of meditating on God's word, I want to be dependent upon him and I'm going to live out God's value in the workplace. Now, in turn, this may or may not please my boss depending on his or her values. It could lead me to getting a promotion and a raise because I'm working with God's work ethics but I might be in a situation where the, my boss is intimidated by that, and as a result, I get fired. Now, either way, whether I get promoted or whether I get fired, guess what? My value hasn't changed, and I realize that God, I am still to be dependent upon him and that God is going to bring about the reward, and so I am secure in him, and that is part of my reward. Friends... Our focal point should be on his values. That's the point. Is your heart set on God's values? Now, the third thing that Paul tells us that our focus should be on is on the eternal. He says, focus our minds on the eternal. Look at verse 2. He says, set your minds on the things that are above, not on things on earth. Now, I want you to think about this. It sounds very familiar to verse 1, but in verse 1, he said, set your hearts But now he's saying, set your minds on not the temporary, but the eternal. Now, why is he telling this? Because I think God knows that we are prone to be people to focus on the here and now. We are a people to focus not on the eternal because we can't see that, but we are prone to focus on what we do see right here and now. And as a result, we put greater value on temporary things rather than the eternal things. It's not that all the temporary things are bad. It's just God says, focus more on the eternal. And quite frankly, we do focus on some pretty lame things at times. My wife and I just put on a new deck on our house. Now, I want you to know that deck will rot someday. I tried to make it so it wouldn't, but it should be a very long time. But it will rot someday, or it will burn up when the world is purified by God, as it talks about in Second Peter. But I'll tell you what will last, what happens on the deck in terms of the ministry and reaching out to our neighbors. That is eternal or ministering to family, that is eternal, or ministering to the body of Christ. The fact is, we work for a lot of things. That promotion that we work so hard to get, it will be forgotten someday. That house that we spent so much time remodeling, it will be gone as well that body that we spent so much time putting the right stuff in at the right time and just making sure it's at peak performance, it will fall apart. I promise you that. And that reputation that we built when we were in high school, remember how hard you worked for it? How long did it take to go? It didn't matter a year after high school, did it? See, all of these things are temporary things. That old adage that the best things of life are not things is so true. I think the Apostle Paul put it better in 2 Corinthians when he said, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not not on the seen, but the unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My friends, our mental focus needs to be on a much grander prize than what this world offers us. So here's the question. What is it that you're focused on that will outlive you? Really? What are you focused on that will actually outlive you? See, this is why we make an investment into people. This is why we serve the poor and going down and working with hammer and nails. This is why we take time to be with people that are hurting. This is why we're doing this ministry trailer this summer that people would sign it out so that they would work on that which is eternal, not which is temporary. And don't worry whether your yard is nice enough or your house is nice enough. What we want is for, for you not to be caught off by the temporary, but on the eternal. See, God's word is eternal, souls are eternal. That's it. And that's what we need to be invested into. So is your mind set on the eternal? Is it focused, laser focused on the eternal? The final thing he says is that we are to focus our life with Christ. Look at verse 3 and 4. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, here's what's beautiful. Paul is giving a beautiful picture of safety and security. He's basically saying, guys, when you died to the evils of this flesh, when you were crucified, you were wrapped up and absorbed in Christ i have just a normal throw blanket here it's kind of dainty it's my grand, my mother-in-law's so uh, i forgot mine it was more of a manly blanket but when we came to faith in christ christ became our identity and we became wrapped up in him and this is what he is saying here and when we took on christ what people see is the blanket of christ in our life And what is the blanket of Christ? Well, Christ is faithful. Christ is just. Christ is loving. Christ is generous. And we go down all these attributes. Remember the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. What are those? Those are fruits of the Holy Spirit, but they're the fruit of Christ in our life. And when people see us, what they should see is the identity of Jesus in our everyday life. Because the fact is we live in a very cold world, and this is warmth in the midst of a cold world. And what God wants is for us to be wrapped up in the identity of Christ. Now, since this is very hot, I'll uh, take this off right now. Just remember, it's around me. So when he returns, here's the deal. We're no longer going to need to be wrapped up in Christ because we will be with Christ for eternity. Now, here's my question. When Christ returns, will you be happy he returns? WILL YOU BE EXCITED THAT HE RETURNS? DO YOU KNOW 1 JOHN 2 SAYS THAT NOT EVERY BELIEVER IN CHRIST WILL NECESSARILY BE EXCITED? LISTEN TO WHAT IT SAYS IN 1 JOHN 2. He SAYS, AND NOW, DEAR CHILDREN, CONTINUE IN HIM, BE WRAPPED UP IN HIM, SO THAT WHEN HE APPEARS, WE MAY BE CONFIDENT AND UNASHAMED BEFORE HIM AT HIS COMING. SEE, THERE'S A SLIGHT QUESTION THAT IS RAISED HERE. WILL WE BE CONFIDENT WHEN HE COMES? Or will we be ashamed and, in a sense, shrink back when he comes? My friends, if our life is wrapped up in Christ, we will look forward to being with Christ with great anticipation. But if we spend our life on the frivolous, if we don't utilize the gifts that God has given us, if we don't make an investment into that which is eternal, then there could be shame and we could shrink back. Do others see you wrapped up in Christ? Now, one thing I love is old people. I love old people. I love the old people in my life. Though I harass my mother-in-law all the time, and I publicly try to let known that she's going to be 88 pretty soon. Though I tease my parents, who are now in their 80s, 81, 83, Even though I teased dad because he he was going to go to Vail and go skiing. But guess what? He accomplished it. And he's alive to tell you about it. Nine times. Right, dad? Nine times down the hill. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Here's the fact. The fact is my family, my parents, they might not be here next week. They may not be here next month. They may not be here this time next year. Why? BECAUSE THEY'RE SO STINKING OLD. (laughs) THEY'RE OLD. NOW, OF COURSE, MY LUCK, WHAT'S GOING TO HAPPEN IS I'M GOING TO DIE FIRST, AND IT'S GOING TO BE VIRGINIA AND LEANNE. THEY'RE GOING TO BE WIDOWS TOGETHER. THEY'RE GOING TO BE OUT ON THE FRONT PORCH ROCKING TOGETHER AND JUST HAVING A GREAT OLD TIME. ACTUALLY, VIRGINIA DOESN'T ROCK AT ALL. SHE'S OUT SERVING ALL THE TIME. NOW, IN ALL SERIOUSNESS, I CAN JOKE LIKE THIS BECAUSE I KNOW MY PARENTS AND MY MOTHER-IN-LAW. THEY LOOK FORWARD TO GLORY. See, they look forward to being in heaven with Christ. They look forward to completing this journey. And my friends, as a believer in Christ, we shouldn't fear getting old because we get closer and closer. Now, I want you to know I'm excited that I'm 50 and I'm gonna be 51 this year. Other than the, colo- the, uh, the colonoscopy that I have to have sometime this year, I, I like being 50, okay? I like that idea. I don't care about 60. I really don't care about 70 or 80 or 90. If I get there, I might might get shot by my mother-in-law before then, but I don't care. See, here's the deal. When you have a life that is wrapped up in Jesus, then your departure is a celebration. It really is. And as we conclude our time together in God's Word, I want to challenge you. What's your life been like? so far is your focus on the identity of Christ that you have is your heart set on God's values are you focusing your mind on the eternal do people see you wrapped up in Jesus friends we are blessed that we have all kinds of examples i'm glad grateful that my parents my mother-in-law dorothy smith and many others have been examples of christ to their family but also to us as a family believers i want to close our message with a tribute to dorothy smith dorothy's looking really surprised there's a reason why all your boys are all around you dorothy and randy is going to come and he's going to read a tribute to dorothy and then he's going to pray
3: for moms thanks Thanks, steve steve had asked me earlier to share some thoughts related to my mother uh, as it relates to Mother's Day and uh, first off as I share these comments with you uh, I share them with you and I want you to think about your own mom Uh, the person who served as the mom in your life and I want you to think what would you write if you were writing a tribute to your own mom but I'm going to share with you just some of the things that I've observed over the years Um, my brothers and I have been blessed to call Dorothy Smith our mom She's been a mom for going on almost 70 years now. And uh, she's 94 years old. Um, You may wonder how she ever survived being a mother that long. She was raised in a family where she had uh, three brothers and then she turned around and had five boys. So it was all boys all the time for her. And I think the secret, though, to raising five boys was a quiet belief that these boys are my focus. These boys are my ministry. And eventually, these boys are going to bring home girls. So I think uh, that that kept her strong for all those years. Um, She spent a lifetime teaching us, coaching us, disciplining us, challenging us, cautioning us, and just loving us. And she made herself available to us. You know, I think many of you as mothers, you find when your kids come home from school, you sit them down and you just listen to them. You know, that is so incredibly valuable because I think you find out the heartbeat of your kid, you figure out the way God has built your son or daughter, and you learn so much. But just by listening to them, you're loving them, you're caring for them. When did her assignment begin? Well, it began when, my, when God gave my mom and dad, my oldest brother, Doug. And when did the assignment end? Never. It doesn't end. And I think so many of us as parents think, you know, hey, One day, you know, we're gonna have an empty nest and our roles will be, you know, changing and maybe completed, but it never really ends. Uh, We still learn from my mom. Uh, My mom's had some brilliant days as a mom, I guarantee you that. (laughs) She's had some less than brilliant days as well. She'll tell you that too. Um, But through all of it, she's been, remained focused on the fact that her boys are one of the major roles in her life. She's demonstrated through a lifetime, and I think as Steve had mentioned, about just the fruit of the Spirit with her boys. And, you know, as I look back and I think of the the fruit of the Spirit, she has shown her boys love. She's demonstrated joy. It's interesting to see when people get excited about your success, and she's always been excited about when her family succeeds. And um, beyond that, the patience that she's demonstrated, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and we see those qualities that have been lived out through her. Today, her mind's a little bit foggy. She's not real agile. Uh, her, her walker is an essential piece of equipment for her. But she continues to teach us to be thankful for little things, things that, you know, maybe aren't important to all, but they're important to her. Um, she, she makes time with family, and she shows that she's contented, and her current situation in life is that she just shows that she loves other people. My four brothers and I had breakfast with Mom yesterday, and two of my brothers are in from out of town for Mother's Day. And we sat in Bob Evans at Belden Village, and we spent an hour and a half just talking about everything and nothing. And when we were finished with breakfast, we walked out out the door, and my mom said, this has been just the best morning. I got to spend the morning with my boys. Um, The interesting thing is, she says that all the time. And I think that just comes from being contented it's not the big things it's a whole bunch of little things that really matter um, she is contented and this is her blessing in christ uh, this is my mom uh, mom i love you your boys love you to pieces and um and i understand that everyone in here has their own mom they have their own story um in tribute for your mom today let's make sure you tell your mom your story you know what you've experienced from her let her know what an encouragement she's been to you let her know what you've learned from her and uh, i hope all of you have a great mother's day with your with your family what we're going to do right now i'm going to ask you to stand up and right now i'm going to close in prayer and i'd like you to just if your mom's here or you have a mother around you i'd like you to just put your hand on your mother and as i lead us in prayer I'd, I'd, i'd ask you to just pray along with me um let your mom know just how important she really is to you and has been to you. So, if you would, how about if you bow your heads and we'll pray together? Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before you, who we are is because of you, our identity is found in you. And Lord, today we just thank you for giving us our moms. They've been a gift to us in so many ways. We pray that you would strengthen them because their jobs are important and seemingly never finished. We we pray that they would know you and walk with you. We pray that you would wrap them in your love and they would know you and and they would know that they are loved by you and their families. Lord, give our moms the focus they will need to serve in the role that you've given them. Our world has so many distractions that tell moms they're failures if they don't do this or that. Help our moms to know that the calling of being a mom is good. And we pray that you continue to use each mother here in a mighty way to accomplish your purpose. We can only love because you loved us first. Help us through your Holy Spirit, Lord, to love our moms. And we ask that your hand of blessing be upon them.